what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game, let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? We are gonna dive right into this word on today. And a couple of things that I wanna lead in with are just inviting you really to do a quick soul assessment, if you will. And your soul in this case is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I wanna invite you just to take a quick assessment and inventory, just scan your soul. And really ask yourself, have you been living with outrageous hope? Outrageous hope. And to give you some help with that one, outrageous by definition is shockingly bad or excessive. (laughs) This is probably one of the only times that outrageous would be used in a positive way. Or it's also very bold, unusual, or startling. Right? Like if you've seen people that have outrageous hope in your in their lives, it's startling. Like how are you so bold? How are you so this is unusual to observe. Like how are you so like excessive in your hope almost, right? Like you've got all this hope. Where the heck is that coming from, right? So, do a scan. Are you living with this outrageous hope in your life? Another thought. Where might this outrageous hope need to be channeled or focused for real change to happen in your life? Just take an assessment. Next one. Where or are you living with ferocious faith? Right? These are wild words. Ferocious faith. Because I think sometimes we hear the word faith. And yeah, you say we're walking by faith, not by sight. Yep keeping my faith strong, right? But that ain't ferocious, okay? Like ferocious is strong, it's overwhelming, it's consuming, it's unhindered, right? It's just massive, okay? Are you living with ferocious faith? And then same thought, what areas of your life need some Faith, not just faith though, ferocious faith, right? What if ferocious faith attacked an area of your life? How would it change you and how you show up and how you experience life? Interesting thought. Okay. (laughs) So why do I bring up outrageous hope and ferocious faith? I do this because as somebody that is walking by faith and not by sight, As somebody that is called to live a spirit-led life, distractions, discouragements, oh man, circumstances, relationships, confusion, there could be many things that the enemy can use to trigger us or to get us to question our faith, to get us to lose hope and to really steal our joy also, which is our strength, right? 
So all that to say, a lot of times when we're not living with outrageous hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we're walking around heart sick. How effective can you be when you're walking around like that, right? Or our faith because of discouragement or because of repetition that we keep experiencing. And these could be patterns of our own thought life. It could be many things, right? But this ferocious faith, if it's not ferocious, our faith can waver, right? And if our faith wavers, we do too. (laughs) And then let alone joy, right? If we don't have joy, we don't have strength to approach a situation. And I don't know about you, but if you approach a situation with weakness, it doesn't go very well. And weakness could be weakness in your thought life, weakness in your emotions and having no passion and fervor for how you show up. Weakness could be in your heart and having unforgiveness and bitterness and unhealed areas of your heart that take over and that sort of really <laughs> antagonize your emotions, right? So you're an emotional roller coaster all the time and you're letting your emotions run your life. So you can see outrageous hope is something that is a game changer, just like ferocious faith and just like joy, right? Okay. So why are these important? Well, I'm going to really cover today how this is a time, this is a season for us to be rising up, for us to occupy, okay? So I really had that on my heart. Now to occupy, you can't be casual about it. I'm a word nerd. I like to study words. I like to understand what they mean. So occupy just doing a Google search, right? Means to reside or have one's place, okay? To fill or preoccupy the mind or thoughts, okay? So it really means to take your position, to inhabit, okay? To live in, to employ, and to really preoccupy your mind and thoughts. So I'm going to work through these with you on today so that you can really see it's going to be different. Let me just highlight that. It's going to be different by each person that hears this, right? It's going to be a very personal thing. But to occupy, what does that mean for you? Is it your ministry? Is it in your home? Is it with yourself? Is it with a business? What is it with? What are you called to occupy? And then think about that. It means take your place. It means inhabit. It means live in it. It means preoccupy your mind or your thoughts. And we'll talk about that. But it's not a weak action. It is not a lazy behavior or a casual way of showing up. Again, it requires outrageous hope because a lot of times your circumstances and how you feel is not going to line up with God's word or what you know, okay? And then ferocious faith means, you know what? Like, I don't care how long it's been, even if it's been years, I am not letting go because my God does not lie, right? I'm gonna hang on to faith, right? And I'm gonna be joyful because I know that if I let my my joy go, right? Like, then I have no strength to show up and just live day-to-day life, okay? So let's talk about this. How can these things grow and what's really the battle here? Let's talk about it a little bit. So first thought is that the helmet of salvation is something that we don't really often talk about, but it's really understanding your identity and your authority in Christ. Okay. 
And it's a weapon <laughs> because anytime the enemy comes to throw a fiery dart at you to get you to believe something that's not true, to get you to ruminate on past memories that have been really hurtful or painful, to get you distracted off of who you are and what you're here to do, right? Your helmet of salvation will prevent that. They'll just kind of like ping off of it. They won't get rooted, right? So that is a weapon. You can headbutt the enemy with that, <laughs> right? When you think about being sort of like a bull, right? And like running full speed and headbutting the enemy. It's sort of what it is. It's not just a casual position, like I said. So how do you do that in another way too? Yes, it's making sure that you have your helmet on every day, right? But it's also developing and cultivating every day in some kind of way, whatever that looks like for you, intimacy with God so that you can have God encounters, so that you can get revelation, so that you can receive wisdom, so that your soul can align with truth and with God, with God's power, with God's authority, right? With God's purpose, with God's plans for your life. John 10, 10, fullness of life, right? If you're not having intimacy, how can you see into God? How can you see God's heart for you? How can you know if you're not reading the word, how to combat just life in general and how to really decipher between or discern between what is true and what's not true, right? So these are things to keep in mind. Then the other thing that's important to remember is no matter where you are, no matter your role, no matter your position, you're to occupy, so that means you have a voice. God knows who you are, God knows where you are, and he wants to use you right where you are to, to minister, to release heaven on earth, to shine light for all to see. It doesn't matter if you're a barista, if you're a manager, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, it doesn't matter what you are, God wants to use you, okay? So a lot of what is an antidote to not having outrageous hope or ferocious faith or even joy, right, is remembering the authority and victory you have in Christ. It's not going to feel like it. It's not always going to look like it, but you've got to remember the authority and victory that you have in Christ so that you can live from that. Because when we are living from that, we're not striving, we're not rushing, we're not pushing, we're not forcing. And that is a very different battling position. Okay, it's a very different way of winning victory, right? If you've already won, you show up different, okay? So I'm gonna take us into some thoughts to really give you some context again about why you've got to activate outrageous hope, why you've got to activate ferocious faith, and why you've got to cling to joy, all right? So, the first thought, it's actually coming from Romans 12, 1 through 2. This is the NIV version. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, urge, <laughs> brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, how wonderful, how new, how present, how awesome, right? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, meaning don't do whatever you think or feel like it, and don't let your flesh rule your life. Holy and pleasing to God. Holy is walking uprightly, having a mind that is fixed on the things of God, having a heart that is pure, right? Having a spirit, a right spirit, a power of, right? A right spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. There we go. 
<laughs> um, and it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, which is really easy to do if you don't have a counter pattern operating in your life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's an action verb, <laughs> right? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is telling me if we are not viewing who God is correctly, if we're not viewing his mercy, if we're not putting that into remembrance every day, we're probably not going to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're probably going to lead lives that we control and navigate in our own strength and understanding and then run to God when we need help. It's going to be kind of that, right? And then we're not going to be able to properly discern what is holy and pleasing to God. Okay, and then that'll make it really easy for us to align and line up with whatever patterns are operating in the world rather than aligning with the pattern of the kingdom, right? So that we can renew our soul to that and go out in the world with that and influence the world. We can't influence the world if we look just like it and operate just like it. Let that hit your spirit, okay? So you've got to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you do that by viewing God's mercy, by viewing God as a good, good father, right? And by spending time with him, having that intimate time in some way every day and staying in constant conversation with God, right? It doesn't always have to be seven hours of your time. It could just be being in relationship. What does that mean? Before texting a friend, maybe you pray. Before having that phone call, maybe you pray. <laughs> While you're on your commute, maybe you're praying. Maybe you're having a conversation with God. Maybe you have dedicated time with God too. I think it's a combination of things, right? There's no just one formula that works with relationship. There's a combination of things. There's fellowship, there's worship, there's study, right? There's a lot that goes into that. Okay, so this is highlighting, Romans 12, one through two is highlighting that transformation happens from a new mindset. But I do wanna highlight something. The way the world is patterned, the world will say, there is thoughts, right? And then as we think, we start to feel. And because we feel a certain way, we start to show up. But from the Bible too, if you read it, <laughs> it often says that we are tempted, that we feel things sometimes before we let our mind take over. So it's really important that it's not always thought, emotion, behavior. Sometimes it's emotion and then because we feel some kind of way, we start thinking about it and then we behave out of that. So pay attention just in general to what is going on in your soul. All right. Okay. So transformation is being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But what I'm highlighting here, you can have a renewed mind, but your heart can still be impure. <laughs> okay. Your heart can still be unrenewed, if you will. Right. There could still be memories and patterning patterning and unhealed parts of you in your heart that of course you might be thinking right but if your heart's not right you're still going to act out of a broken heart okay so it's really really important that you do this work with god that you just don't run off into things all right okay so oh man let's dive into this so new uh, well, let me say it this way. Never confuse adjusting with healing. So that's another way to say what I just said. So for example, if you have heartbreak and then maybe you have loneliness and you're adjusting by going into a new relationship, 
But that adjustment doesn't mean healing. That actually means that you might have new human, same character. Okay, so you might still be repeating patterns of an old place because you never healed. All right, so just even if you have a new mindset, even if you're in a new environment, you can still repeat patterns because they're still in you. All right, so you've got to become somebody who's moved by the Spirit of God in order to have a movement of the Spirit. So you've got to go through this work for yourself. Nobody can do this for you. You can have many teachers, preachers, pastors, counsel, accountability, but at the end of the day, you've still got to go through this growth journey with God to even have the anointing. The anointing costs something, okay? All right, so let's talk about this. Why is it hard to go about transformation sometimes? Or how is it so difficult just to get that renewal that we're after? Well, my suggestion is that we have an inner critic that is loud, 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 loud. And depending whose influence that's under, whether that's under the influence of the enemy or if it's under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that really affects how we think, how we feel, how we show up. Okay, so are you navigating? Think about it. If you remember those questions, are you living with outrageous hope? Are you living with ferocious faith? Are you living with joy? If the answer is no, resoundingly no, it's probably because your inner critic is turned way up versus the Holy Spirit being your counselor. Just going to let that sit. (laughs) All right. Why is this a problem? Well, We often, and it's so, so true, and I mean, they say it, vibes don't lie, okay? That's why I say God's vibes matter straight up. So manipulators, check this out, manipulators try to get you to be grateful for breadcrumbs. They basically take how you're manipulating yourself, right? And they, they use that, right? They, they let you settle for less than you deserve. They train you to do that. They change your patterning. That's why manipulation is so, so messy. And the greatest manipulator is the enemy, right? And what does he use? He often uses your thoughts against you, right? And that's what real life manipulators do too. They start changing what you know to be true. They start changing your standards. They start changing what is acceptable for you, all right? So it's really, really important that you learn how to control the voice in your mind and really decide what one you're gonna listen to so that you don't accept the versions of this in the world too. Because what you accept with you, you will also look for and find and attract in the world too, okay? So it's really, really important now. It's dangerous also when you're not able to discern, to discern, I'm sorry, when it is time to move, right? When you're basically, in other words, it's dangerous when you're not able to identify when something has expired because then you start eating or drinking or experiencing spoiled things, okay? So just like having an inner critic that's really loud can attract manipulation, also, Staying out of intimacy with God, falling away, backsliding, it becomes dangerous because you're no longer able to discern when it's time to move, right? Or identify when something's expired. So you keep reliving something, right? And you start to 
if you're not careful, your season can turn into a state. I hope you caught that. Your season, your season of pain, your season of struggle, your season of challenge can turn into a state. It's what you expect. It's what you think about it. It's what you ruminate on. It's what you constantly experience because it's become familiar. It's what you've developed a mind and an appetite for. Okay? Truth, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you keep thinking these things in your heart, in your heart, right? You'll keep experiencing them. So rather than craving what's forward, we crave what's familiar because that's what we keep feeding. We keep feeding our mind what we've walked through. We keep feeding our soul all of you know what that felt like, right? We keep putting ourselves in environments where we can feel that familiarity over and over and over again, and that becomes our state. That becomes what we wake up and feel. That becomes what we wake up and think about. That becomes what we talk about. That becomes what we repeat, okay? So you've got to pay attention to what is going on in your soul. And again, not from a place of guilt, shame, or condemnation, for there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? However, you've got to be ruthless in examining your soul so that you can really get your soul to submit to the spirit, okay? Now, what am I highlighting here? I'm highlighting in these examples, whether you are an inner critic to yourself, which is you're manipulating yourself, and you attract manipulation into your life in many forms, people, situations, right? And that becomes normal for you, or whether you're not seeking God and not developing and cultivating intimacy, so you're not able to discern when it's time to move or when something's expired because your spiritual senses are turned down to zero, like no volume, right? Or you keep repeating patterning over and over and over again and developing or reinforcing a mind, an attitude, an appetite for what was, right? When the Lord says to forget the former things, He's doing a new thing. Will you not perceive it? Well, you won't if you keep repeating the past, okay? So what am I highlighting? I'm highlighting that you can be saved, right? You can be saved. You could have the helmet, but you could also be powerless, meaning you, you could very well be living in such a way where you're not putting any of your inheritance, any of the tools, any of what you have to work. Wow, right? Where's the the power in being saved and powerless? Think about that. Am I saved and powerless? The answer is no. (laughs) But you, you are. As a man thinks, so is he. So you are what you believe, right? And you will, why is this true? Because you will always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. So if you believe you're a victim, if you believe you're an orphan, if you believe in poverty, if you believe in lack, if you believe in limitation, if you believe everything is hard, if you believe nothing ever works out for you, if you believe that you're always going to be alone, if you believe that this relationship is too much for you to bear, if you believe negative, you will see it at every turn. Okay? And I don't want to say just believe positive, right? Believe the word. Get in the word. (laughs) Get the truth stored up into you so that you can crave what is forward. You can hope for what is forward. You can put your faith in what is forward. And you can literally change your mind, your attitude, and your appetite. 
so that as those old things come up, and they sometimes do, the enemy doesn't have new tricks, right? He'll position that in your life when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're stressed, right? To tempt you to go back. So when that stuff comes up, if you've been renewing your mind, if you've been cultivating intimacy and having encounters with God, if you've been training your soul to listen to your spirit and to respond to your spirit, to obey your spirit, very different. You won't give in to that kind of stuff. You'll see it for what it is and you'll live with power. You'll start giving the enemy a headache instead. You'll headbutt him, okay? (laughs) So you've got to view your mind as soil. If you've ever gardened before, it is really hard to break up hard ground. Really, really hard. But sometimes that's what it's like when we have a hard heart, when we're not open to God at all. There's nothing that can take, nothing new from God that can take root in us, right? Or if it's ground that is not suitable still, right? Like we could receive information and then it could just be washed away immediately if we're not careful, right? So you want ground that can absorb, that can process, that can think on, that can meditate day and night, right? all the time on God's word so that can really process and recalibrate your soul, all right? So think about that. What is the the content, the information, the intel that is going on in your mind on a daily or consistent basis? How are you handling your mind? If it's soul, how are you cultivating that garden, right? Are you literally uprooting and pulling out all the weeds? Are you digging up everything that's not supposed to be there? Are you letting the right seed take root and grow so that it can flourish. Think about that. Again, it's not casual. It requires diligence and focused effort. Okay? All right, so think about this. What are you putting in your mind? What is saved in your memory? Right, I think of it like if a computer had to do a reboot reboot and shut down suddenly, sometimes when it opens back up, it pulls open all of the screens that were in the memory, right? Like it pulls it all back open. So when you think about that, what is saved in your memory? What keeps popping up? What keeps popping up? What is in your library, right? Like what movies do you keep watching? What books do you keep reading? What things do you keep writing about? What is going on in your memory or in the library of your mind? If it's not exposed to anything new, how could new be dominant? It won't be. Okay, so hopefully you're getting my point. (laughs) This is an invitation to check out, are you saved but powerless, right? How can you make some adjustments? So here are three suggestions of practical things that you can do because we are all about real talk. Yes, here's truth backed by the word, but then here's how you can apply for you personally ways to practically apply wisdom to your life. Number one is a mental detox. I know in my journey with God, I didn't know God. Not personally. I didn't know that I could have a relationship with God. I didn't know that I could hear God for myself. I didn't know how to apply what I was hearing. How do I discern if this is God, if this is me, if this is just something I'm making up? Like that was all very interesting. 
especially in the beginning for me to navigate. So one of the first things that I was led to do is what I'm telling you right now, a mental detox. Another way to say that, identify your toxins. Identify anything that you're exposing your mind to that is toxic, okay? That's not developing righteousness. That's not preparing you for where you want to go, all right? So some thoughts, music. I love music. (laughs) At one point, I even learned how to DJ. Um, I supported a DJ school. Amazing. However... As much as I love music, I had to be willing to detox from it. Literally, like stop listening to all music. No joke. Again, I love it, right? And I love dancing and I love all of that. However, in order to hear God, I had to clear up space in my memory, just like your phone, right? If you got too many pictures on there, if you got too many apps, it'll tell you you don't have any more storage space. You've got to clear out space. So could be music. It could be TV. It could be the news. It could be newspapers and what you're reading. It could be social media. It could be atmospheres or places that you're putting yourself in that you think that you're strong enough to handle, but they're still exposing you to toxins. So you could be doing a lot of good things, but because you're still exposed to these toxins, it's canceling all the good out, right? It could be people. There could be some people that are turkeys and you're called to be an eagle. And the more that you walk around with turkeys, the more you'll think you are one. So identify what your toxins are. This could even be food because food really affects your your mind, your hormones, depending on what that is. If it's alcohol, if it's sugar, right? There could be things that your system in general doesn't process well. It affects your focus. So keep that in mind too. It could be, what else could it be? Environments, people, music, TV, books that you're reading. So for example, if you're reading a bunch of romance novels, probably not going to help you discern the voice of God. It might not help you fix your focus in this season. So it could also be what you're reading. Maybe all the things that you're reading, even if you convince yourself that they're good, maybe all these business development podcasts and things that you're listening to, they're great, but they're still not developing your soul. So that that can be extra. And sometimes you need to turn it down because your main priority, if you're not hearing from God, is to hear from God and to seek God and experience God for yourself. Okay, so mental detox, identify your toxins and detox from them and set yourself up for success here. So give yourself a timeline, a start and an end date and just see how it goes and pray about that. God will tell you what's right. I know for me, six weeks is a usual period of time to be doing something. If it's a fast, sometimes it's 30 days, but as far as implementing a new habit or cleaning up a diet or something like that, it's a little bit longer so that I'm really developing rituals and habits that support this new behavior. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is have trigger awareness. Have trigger awareness. You could have gone through a healing process. You have you know, experienced healing, you might have experienced deliverance, this is all good. However, we still can be triggered by things of the past, even if we've had healing, okay? We still can. 
So just be aware, these are areas of weakness. These are areas where you developed a lot of training. These are areas that potentially you can go back to when you're stressed, when you're worn out, when you're burnt out, when you're not operating 100%. Okay, so have awareness of what your triggers are. What does that mean? It really means anything that's prompting a return to what was. <laughs> anything that's prompting a return to what was. Okay, that's why, for example, music is so powerful. You could hear a song, you could hear just a verse of that song, and it can take you back to a different experience in your life, right? So sometimes you've got to cut that out of your life. Think about maybe it's food. There could be certain foods that you ate all the time that reminds you of a season. It could be social media and stalking people's profiles and wondering what they're doing and what they're up to and somehow you know, bringing that back into your life. It could be frequenting places that you know are not environments that are good for you and just being exposed to that space brings something different out of you and not the best, highest version of you, right? It could be habits that you have. It could be drinking. It could be food and overeating. It could be isolating. You know, sometimes we say that we're creating healthy boundaries or enforcing healthy boundaries and no, we're just isolating, <laughs> right? So find what your triggers are. And what's helpful with this one too is putting accountability in your life. Somebody that you can trust, somebody that listens and experiences and seeks God for themselves and can be praying and give you wise counsel. Somebody that can keep you accountable to what you're working towards and be able to, to call you out in love. That's really important when you're aware of triggers to let somebody else know where you're tempted so that they can help keep you strong. All right. And then number three is relapse prevention relapse prevention. Now we're not talking serious drugs here, although this can be viewed that way. Anything that's attacking your soul, you want to have a relapse prevention plan in place for that, right? Like, and it's not always, when we think about enemies, it's not always people. It's not always haters. It's not always a boss. It's not always a life circumstance. Sometimes enemies are the inner critic. Sometimes it's our own manipulation. Sometimes it's how we beat ourselves up. Sometimes it's what we keep feeling and what we keep returning to. Sometimes it's the habits we keep, right? So sometimes it's us. It's inner me. We're like in a war against ourself, our soul versus our spirit, when it should be our spirit leading our soul. Okay? So relapse prevention is really about preparation. One of the best things to do is to get so, so clear on where it is that you're going write the vision and make it plain. Of course, release it to God so that you're not like white knuckling the vision, but write it and make it plain and prepare for where you're going. Because here's the thing, spiritual wisdom without practical enforcement, oh my gosh, that's really ingredients for relapse. Spiritual wisdom without practical reinforcement or enforcement <laughs> are ingredients for relapse. What does that mean? I could go through ministry school. I could get all of these beautiful tools, new knowledge, new perspective, new exposure. But if I am not enforcing that in my life, it might as well be like I didn't even learn it, right? Because I could have been exposed to something new, but without practical enforcement, I still have ingredients to relapse. I still have 
all of the ingredients in my life to go back to what I was doing before I got this new information. Okay, so I could have even, let's say, healed from a relationship. Okay, and I had tools to do that and I had a system to do that and I had support in my life. And once that ended, if I don't still have practical enforcement every day, I could still go back to that. I still could. So keep that in mind. A really great word to back this one up. I'll give it to you. It's Psalm 1, 1 through 3. This one says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Not sometimes, day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully you heard that and are thinking, I want that. Yes, that's what I'm aiming for. That's where I'm headed. Like, amen, right? What does that mean practically? It means get enough word in you that you can combat these automatic thoughts, that you can prepare for where you're going, that even if the enemy tries to throw a fiery dart at you, you headbutt him with your helmet of salvation and you don't let it get into your soul. You don't let it take root because you've got too much word in you, right? You've got more word in you than you have for any other pattern of the world. Okay, you've got all the patterns of the kingdom, kingdom thoughts, kingdom feelings, kingdom emotion, kingdom heart, right? That you can't let this other stuff, you can experience it, you can be aware of it, but you can't let it take over, right? You won't let it take over if you've got all this word in you, right? Because your delight will not be where it was anymore. Your appetite, your mindset, your attitude won't be in the patterning and the way of the world. It'll now be what you're exposing it to, what you're cultivating, what you're preparing it with. And if you're preparing it for the future, if you're preparing it with kingdom thoughts and kingdom mindsets and kingdom beliefs and kingdom emotions, right? Kingdom behavior, kingdom obedience, all of these qualities, fruit of the spirit, really, right? Then you'll start producing something really different in your life and you'll start craving something different. If you've ever done a real life food detox of some kinds, right? Or maybe you quit sugar, maybe you quit caffeine, it sucks. It does, right? <laughs> for the beginning, first week for sure, right? Like around day three, you're like, oh my God, right? And then you start to get used to it. And then when you have those things, you're like, whoa, like how did I ever drink that or eat that or, you know? Your body doesn't crave that anymore because you've exposed it to something healthy, something it actually does desire and crave, right? You've given it the nutrients it needs so that it actually knows what thriving and abundant life feels like. It knows John 10, 10 now, right? So it doesn't go back to its old ways, all right? So we covered a lot. <laughs> Let me recap here so that you can apply this to your life, okay? So... Inventory, where have you or have you not been living with outrageous hope, ferocious faith, and joy? Where do these need to be activated? I like to think anywhere you don't have peace in your life is where the enemy is at work. So a lot of times those areas where outrageous hope, ferocious faith, and joy are needed are in those areas where you don't have peace, okay? 
Now, I wouldn't have blind hope, right? It's really important to make sure that you know what these are rooted in. I'm applying that these are rooted in God, okay? Um, because sometimes we could put our hope in other places that leads to expectations, expectation hangovers, disappointment, other things. So keeping your outrageous hope in God, your ferocious faith in God and in who he is and your joy in the Lord, not joy that you can manufacture. Okay. So that all means is that you're keeping your helmet on every day. Okay. This helmet of salvation, you're recognizing that God is good, that he has good plans for your life. You know who you're, who you are in Christ and what your authority is or the authority that you have. And you walk around with that power, with this victory that you have. You don't walk around casually anymore. You walk around fully owning and embracing that. And how do you do that? It's counterintuitive. You do it through intimacy and encounters with God and staying close to God. That's really how you do it. You occupy not by force or by might or by pushing and hustling and all these things that the world would say. You do it by intimacy. (laughs) You do it by remembering who you are. You do it by standing firm, right? It's not all like force, right? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? And our weapons are different. Okay. So to rise up is to recognize all these things. Keep your helmet on and then also be aware and remember the authority and victory that you have in Christ. Don't be a saved yet powerless person. Okay. (laughs) So we talked about how do you do this? You devote yourself to delighting in the Lord, to seeking out transformation, to renewing your mind so that you don't just adjust things in your life without actually healing because your heart is so, so, it's such a huge component here. A lot of times we talk just about the mind, but your heart is just as important, if not more so. So a couple of things to be aware of. If you have a really loud inner critic, be on the lookout for manipulation and manipulators in your life, okay? Okay. And you've got to go to work to silence that voice so that you can hear the Holy Spirit as your counselor versus your inner critic. If you don't have discernment, if you're not able to discern when it's time to move or identify something that's expired, develop intimacy and get close with God so that you can start receiving downloads of wisdom and revelation and really have that clarity, okay? And then always be careful that your season, no matter if it's a current season, a past season, that it doesn't turn into a state, that you don't attach yourself to it like glue, where you're constantly re-experiencing it in your mind, in your emotions, in your heart, where your mind, your appetite, your attitudes, right, become as a man thinks, so is he. You keep repeating patterns. You crave what was familiar versus what's forward, all right? So... Keep in mind, remember this, you will always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. So put your mind through a process so that you can really clean up your library. You can really deliver or redeem your memory. You can heal your memory by doing a mental detox, identifying the toxins in your life, by having trigger awareness and knowing Anything that could prompt you to return to an unhealthy place, person, environment. And three, relapse prevention is really preparing for where you're going. Because you could have all this great wisdom. You could be like, yes, I am vibing with this word on today. But then if you don't apply it, 
right? You won't get the word in you to combat whatever is automatic and what's dominant in your life. All right? So the call is to occupy, but you can't possibly occupy if you're not transforming your mind, right? If you don't have a transformed mind, if you're not looking forward, if you're not perceiving the new thing, if you're not being renewed every day, you can't have this outrageous hope. You can't have this ferocious faith and joy. Your helmet's off, basically. So you're walking around without your power. So it's really important to take a stand, to rise up, and to occupy right now, to not be casual, to not shrink back, to not get lazy and just see what happens, but be the one that chooses to lean in, that chooses to delight in the Lord, that chooses to really get clear on how you handle your soul so that you can have the power and authority and you can walk in the victory that you've been given. All right. Oh man, I hope this message blessed you. If you are wanting more real talk in your life, you can follow me on YouTube, subscribe to that channel. I do a lot of video content over there. You can check out julianapage.com for more resources about really how you can apply this personally in your life, whether that's a self-mastery course or some coaching, whatever it is that you might need, go check out julianapage.com. And to follow and connect with me, the best place to do that is over on Instagram at Miss Juliana Page. All right, guys, until next time, stay blessed.